Section 10 of Wayside and Woodland Trees, A Pocket Guide to the British Silva by Edward Stepp. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Exotic Trees and Shrubs, Part 3 The Douglas Fir Pseudotsuga douglasi Although the name of this tree in English and Latin might reasonably lead one to suppose that David Douglas, the intrepid botanical explorer, was the discoverer of it, that is not really so. It was Archibald Menzies who first made it known to science, by means of herbarium specimens collected in 1792, when, as the companion of Vancouver, he visited the western coasts of North America. But Douglas, in his capacity of collector to the Royal Horticultural Society, landed at Fort Vancouver on the Columbia River in 1825, and not only sent home herbarium species, but seeds also, of this and several previously unknown conifers. It was by means of these seeds that the Douglas fir was introduced to Britain. It was already known by Lambert's name of Abies taxifolia, but Dr. Lindley, a short time previous to Douglas's untimely death, selected the tree as a suitable and enduring memorial of the enormous services Douglas had rendered, and named it Abies Douglasi. Since then, Carrier has split up the old genus Abies and placed Douglasi in the new genus Pseudotsuga. Under the most favorable natural conditions, as around Puget Sound and on the western slopes of the Sierra Nevada, the Douglas fir grows to a height of 300 feet with a girth of 30 to 40 feet, but on the drier slopes of the Rocky Mountains it is not more than 100 feet high. In Colorado, forests of Douglas fir are found at an elevation of 11,000 feet. The tree has not been sufficiently long established in this country to say what dimensions it will reach, though it appears to have taken kindly to Ireland and to Devon and Cornwall, where the rate of growth of young trees is about 30 inches per annum. There are plenty of trees in these islands, planted about the year 1834, which have reached or passed 100 feet, and there is no doubt that towards our western coasts this height will be greatly exceeded. Some of these trees have long since produced cones, and from their seeds many young trees have been raised. The Douglas fir is of pyramidal outline, with the lowest branches bending to the ground under their weight of branchlets and leaves. Above, they spread horizontally, but the uppermost are more or less ascending. The branchlets are given off mostly in opposite pairs, densely clothed with slender, rich green leaves, three-quarters to one and one-quarter inches in length, paler beneath. They endure for six or seven years and are arranged in three or four ranks. The male flowers will be found clustered at intervals on the underside of the previous year's shoots, whilst the cones are formed at the tips of the lateral branchlets and hang downwards. These cones are somewhat elliptical in outline, from two and one-half to four inches long, with large scales, and from the back of each there extends a three-clawed bract, whereof the middle claw, or on, is very long. Several well-marked varieties of the Douglas fir are also to be met with occasionally in parks and gardens. The Douglas fir produces excellent timber and is a most valuable forest tree, not only on that account, but because of its adaptability to varying conditions of soil and climate. It is the most widely distributed of all American forest trees, and the area of its distribution is spread over 32 degrees of latitude, and from end to end of this range it has, in the words of Sargent, to endure the fierce gales and long winters of the north, and the nearly perpetual sunshine of the Mexican cordilleras, 
to thrive in the rain and fog which sweep almost continuously along the pacific coast range and on the arid mountain slopes of the interior where for months every year rain never falls it appears to thrive best where the air is humid and the soil well drained it begins to bear cones about its twenty-fifth year the straight tapering trunk is largely used for the masts and spars of ships its suitability for this purpose being evident to all visitors to Kew who have gazed at the flagstaff set up in the arboretum this pole is 159 feet long with a circumference of six feet at the base tapering to two feet two inches at the top and weighing about three tons it was brought from vancouver island and an examination of its rings before it was set up showed that it represented the growth of about two hundred fifty years the full life of the douglas fir is estimated to be about seven hundred fifty years the stone pine pinus pinea between the tall graceful spire of the douglas fir and the squat heavy umbrella-like head of the stone pine there is an enormous contrast it must be confessed that the stone pine is less beautiful than picturesque, a point that strongly commends it to the landscape painter working in the countries bordering the Mediterranean, in which region it is native. The date of its introduction to Britain is not known, but it has been in cultivation here certainly for more than three centuries and a half, for Turner mentions it in his Names of Herbs in Greek, Latin, English, Dutch, and French, published in 1548. In its native countries it attains to a height of 60 to 80 feet, but in this country the finest examples are only about 35 feet, whilst ordinary British-grown examples are only half that height. Its trunk, covered with rugged and deeply fissured thick red-gray bark, forks at no great distance from the roots, and sends off massive spreading branches of great length. For several years the young tree produces short single leaves, but later leaves are five or six inches long, slender and of a bright green tint, in pairs, united at their base by a pale sheath. These leaves endure for two or three years. The pollen-bearing flowers are crowded into a spike. The female flowers are about three-quarters of an inch long, composed of pale greenish scales. After fertilization, these grow to a length of four to six inches, of a rugged oval form and red-brown color, ripening in the third year. The scales of these cones are somewhat wedge-shaped, with a stout rhomboid boss, which has a depression round the central protuberance. The seeds, which are eaten for dessert and preserved as sweetmeats in countries where the stone pine is native, are enclosed in a bony shell, and it is from this circumstance that the tree gets its name the austrian pine pinus laricio what is known as the austrian pine is a variety of the corsican or larch pine and its botanical name correctly set out is pinus laricio var austriaca the name has reference to the fact that its chief home as an indigenous tree is in the southern provinces of the austrian empire the range of the type and its varieties together includes central and southern europe and part of western asia it is a comparatively recent addition to our silva in both forms for the type that was introduced in seventeen fifty nine in the belief that it was a maritime form of the scots pine but the variety austriaca was first sent out by lawson and son the edinburgh nurserymen in eighteen thirty five the typical species corsican pine is a slender tree of somewhat pyramidal form growing to the height of eighty to one hundred twenty feet 
the austrian pine though a large tree is of smaller proportions from sixty to eighty feet high but with stouter and longer branches and denser foliage the leaves which vary from three to five inches in length are sheathed in pairs convex on the outer side rigid glossy dark green and with toothed margins the cone is conical with a rounded base two to three inches in length and its position on the branch is almost horizontal the scales somewhat smaller to those of the scots pine but with stronger bosses and of a yellowish brown color polished it takes about seventeen months to become full grown and ripen the seeds the austrian pine is one of those that do well on poor soils and takes kindly to chalk from the density of its foliage it makes a good shade and shelter tree its timber though coarse in grain is very durable and useful for outside work cedar of lebanon cedrus libani made familiar by name at least from very early times by frequent references to it in the books of the old testament it is rather strange that so hardy a tree was not one of the first of those introduced for ornament into britain it is true that local legends attaching to some old cedars in this country credit them with having been planted in the spacious times of great elizabeth as the great cedar at witten middlesex blown down in 1779 but on the other hand we have the fact that no mention is made of the cedar by john elvelin in his silva 1664 this it is true is only negative evidence but it is strong none the less for it is not at all likely that so keen and pious an arboriculturist would have omitted mention of so noteworthy a tree had it been growing here when he wrote there is reason to believe however that the still existing enfield cedar was planted about the date of evelyn's publication by dr uvedale master of the enfield grammar school the researches of sir j d hooker subsequent to his memorable expedition to lebanon and taurus in eighteen sixty established the specific identity of the three cedars known as the mount atlas cedar the cedar of lebanon and the doadar though the arboriculturalist still treats them as distinct species they are scientifically regarded as geographical forms of one species for convenience we here adopt the arboriculturalist's view the cedar varies greatly no tree more so in height and general outline according to situation and environment and though the stature of well-grown trees in this country may be correctly stated as from fifty to eighty feet we are not without examples of one hundred and one hundred twenty feet where the conditions have been specially favorable there is one of one hundred twenty feet at strathfield say and among the numerous fine cedars at godwood there is the celebrated great cedar ninety feet high with a bole twenty-five feet in circumference and a broad conical head whose base has a diameter of one hundred thirty feet but the cedar as usually seen on lawns and in parks has a low rounded or flattened top the great spreading arms having grown more rapidly than the trunk thus grown the huge bole has seldom any great length throwing out these timber branches at from six to ten feet from the ground and immediately afterwards the trunk is divided into several stems from these the main branches take a curving direction at first ascending but the part furthest from the trunk becoming almost horizontal it is chiefly at the extremity of the branches that the branchlets and leaves are produced the evergreen leaves last for three four or five years and are of needle shape varying in length from a little less to a little more than an inch they are produced in a similar manner to those of the larch in tufts that are arranged spirally round dwarf shoots mostly on the upper side of the branchlets 
the male flowers are to be found at the extremity of branchlets which though six or seven years old are very short their development having been arrested the solid purple-brown cones are only three or four inches long broad-topped and with a diameter of about half the length the scales thin and closely pressed together they are at first grayish green tinged with pink the development and maturity of these cones takes two or three seasons and they remain on the tree for several years longer the seeds are angular with a wedge-shaped wing the trees do not produce cones until they are from 25 to 30 years old but they may be a century old before producing either male or female flowers the trunk is covered with thick rough deeply fissured bark on the branches the bark is smooth and peels off in thin flakes the cedar in its native habitat produces admirable timber but that of the trees grown in our own country is described by loudon as reddish white light and spongy easily worked but very apt to shrink and warp and by no means durable for these reasons the tree is grown almost solely for ornament the name cedar is supposed to be derived from the arabic kedrum or kedre power and has reference to its majestic proportions and strong timber the deodar or indian cedar cedrus deodara although as we have indicated the differences between the cedar of lebanon and the cedar of himalaya are not such as can be scientifically accepted as constituting specific distinctness they are sufficient to at once strike the ordinary observer in proportion to the height of the trunk for example the main branches are much shorter the result being a more regular pyramidal outline terminating in a light spire the terminal shoots of the branches are longer more slender and quite pendulous these differences though really slight transform the rather heavy majesty of the cedar as represented by c Libani, into one of graceful beauty although the experience of sixty years has sadly falsified the high hopes entertained as to the suitability of the deodar for cultivation in this country as a timber tree its value for ornamental purposes and in landscape gardening has not been impaired the headquarters of the deodar are in the mountains of northwest india where it forms forests at various altitudes above three thousand five hundred feet its vertical distribution indeed extends to a height of twelve thousand feet but its principal habitat lies between six thousand and ten thousand feet deodar timber produced in its native forests is exceedingly durable being compact and even grained not liable to warp or split and standing the test of being alternately wet and dry loudon states that when a building which had been erected by the emperor akbar in the latter part of the sixteenth century was pulled down between eighteen twenty and eighteen twenty five the deodar timber used in its construction was found to be so sound that it was again used in building a house for raja shah and brandis tells of very much more ancient bridges in srunagar whose piers are of deodar wood and appear to be as yet unaffected by decay it is to the honorable w l melville that we are indebted for the introduction of the deodar to britain in eighteen thirty one and during the next ten years many young trees were raised here from seeds favorably impressed by the rapidity of growth of these seedlings the government fearing a coming shortage of oak for naval purposes imported and distributed large numbers of deodar seeds and high estimates were formed of the future value of these trees but in framing these estimates one important factor was omitted the uncertainty of the british climate with its rapid changes everything by turns and nothing long a score or two of years served to demonstrate that such conditions were opposed to the longevity and uniform development that produced sound timber on the indian mountains 
and today the deodar is not mentioned among the trees that are to bring riches to the british timber grower in spite of this failure there are to be seen in many parts of these islands fine young deodars of forty or fifty years and from fifty to seventy feet in height there is no necessity for repeating the particulars already given respecting the cedar of lebanon which apply to the cedar of deodar with such modifications as are indicated in the first paragraph above specimens grown where they have sufficient space for spreading out their long arms retain their branches to the base of the trunk and if these are cut off they can reproduce them several nursery varieties with golden aurea silvery argentia or the more intense green viridis foliage than the type have appeared as a result of european cultivation lawson's cypress lawson's cypress cupressus lawsoniana lawson's cypress belongs to that section of conifers which includes the junipers and thuias and is a representative of the north american silva it is a native of south oregon and north california where it is believed to have been first discovered by jeffrey about eighteen fifty two two years later seeds were received by messrs lawson the edinburgh nurserymen from mr william murray and from these seeds were raised the first young trees of this species sent out by the firm the name was bestowed in honor of mr charles lawson then the head of the firm and by this name it is generally known in europe but in the united states it is the port orford cypress at port orford on the oregon coast according to sargent it forms one of the most prolific and beautiful coniferous forests of the continent unsurpassed in the variety and luxuriance of its undergrowth of rhododendrons vacciniums raspberries buckthorns and ferns and anyone who has seen well-grown specimens in the pleasure grounds of this country can easily realize something of the beauty of such a forest though allowance has to be made for the fact that in forest growth the lower branches are lost at an early age in its native home the lawson cypress attains a height of between one hundred twenty and one hundred fifty feet occasionally reaching two hundred feet with a base circumference of forty feet the thick brown bark splits into rounded scaly ridges these short horizontal branches divide a good deal towards their leafy extremities which are curved and commonly drooping the leaves are little evergreen scales which overlap and being closely pressed to the branchlet completely clothe and hide it they are bright dark green in color and endure for three or four years the male flowers are produced at the tips of short branchlets formed a year earlier they are of cylindric form crimson in color and each stamen bears from two to six anther cells the small cones are more or less globular but instead of a large number of spirally arranged overlapping scales as in the pines and firs here there are only eight whose edges at first join to form a box when the cone is ripe these scales separate to allow the escape of the seeds the lawson cypress produces a valuable wood close-grained and strong yet light it is considered one of the most important timber trees of north america but in this country it has been planted solely with a view to its ornamental qualities its perfect hardiness and its freedom of growth may with longer experience than half a century affords lead to its being regarded as a timber producer here also the common cypress cupressus sempervirens of the mediterranean region and the east of which poets have sung in all ages has been cultivated in this country for at least three hundred and fifty years the chili pine aracaria imbricata 
the chili pine or monkey puzzle is a familiar sight on suburban lawns where however it seldom attains a large size or long retains health the lower branches drop off and the upper ones become brown as though scorched but away from the smoke-laden atmosphere and uncongenial soils some handsome and massive aracarias may be seen rising from fair lawns with dense branches curving at their tips and regularly disposed in whorls from the dome-like head of the tree to the grass at its base such was the magnificent specimen at dropmore that died in 1902 such is the fine tree at woodstock county kilkenny which now presumably takes the position of eminence in these islands hitherto held by the dropmore example the chili pine is a native of southern chile where it was discovered by a spaniard don f dendariarena in 1780 as he was prospecting for timber about the same time two other spaniards doctors ruiz and pavon were botanizing in chile and came across the aracaria of which they sent herbarium specimens to europe but in spite of this threefold opportunity for spain the actual introduction of the aracaria to europe must be credited to britain archibald menzies who accompanied captain vancouver as botanist on his celebrated voyage came across the tree in chile and brought home both seeds and young plants one of these became a fine tree at kew where it was for many years the object of admiration and interest but it perished in eighteen ninety two the aracaria forms extensive pure forests in the province of aracaro from which it gets its name and to whose inhabitants the seeds are a most important item of their food supply not only do the trees in these forests lose their lower branches but even those growing in the open plains of their native country have similarly bare trunks for nearly half their height it is therefore a satisfaction to know that the finest specimens grown in this country have really surpassed those grown in their natural home the height reached by old trees is from eighty to one hundred feet with a trunk girth of from sixteen to twenty three feet the tapering of this trunk is very slight and a few of the stiff spine-tipped leaves with which its younger extremity is densely clothed still remain attached in a dried-up condition far down the column these leaves will have been observed to entirely cover the branches not being restricted as in most trees to the newly formed branchlets and twigs these are very hard and endure for about fifteen years are about an inch and a quarter long and overlap though their sharp pointed ends turn away from the branch the cylindrical male flowers are four or five inches long born singly or in small clusters it was formerly supposed that the sexes were on separate trees but though many individuals only produce flowers of one kind this is by no means the general rule the female flowers are about four inches long almost round in shape but broader at the base than above they are covered with long narrow overlapping scales beneath which are found the seeds when the flower has developed into the brown cone which is six inches in diameter the scales are then easily detached in fact when the seeds are ripe the cone falls to pieces the seed is about an inch and a half long enclosed in a hard thin shell the chili pine does not succeed in this country unless it is given pure air sunshine abundant moisture and an open subsoil to carry it off yet it will grow to a very handsome tree if these conditions are observed very fine effects have been obtained in some places by planting an aracaria grove such an avenue is in fine condition at woodstock county kilkenny running parallel with an avenue of abis nobilis every tree with its branches intact from turf to summit and bearing fertile cones there is a similar but less perfectly preserved aracaria grove at bicton in devonshire end of section ten end of wayside and woodland trees 
a pocket guide to the british silva by edward stepp